This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Once again, from the exciting offices of the Smoking Tire in Culver City, California, it's yet another episode of the Universe. I'm uh, flying without Jeff this time because uh, he's uh, stuck down in uh, Orange County due to traffic. He apparently will be doing another show with Andy Duncan here later, a re- race recap on Lamar. But until then, I have Ken from Mountain. <laughs> good afternoon. Good to, good afternoon, good to be here. Yeah. Early evening. Whatever which, time it is, yeah. It's it's still bright out and warm. It's California. Yes. It's always warm, right, in the summertime. And uh, we have the uh, summer hours, uh, day after the longest day of the year. So it's still... Uh, oh, was that yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday, summer okay. solstice. So it's still pretty bright out. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. So, yeah, we got another couple hours of light. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but uh, I got you back here because you guys have been working with Ford on a little car called the Focus RS that is now finally reaching people. Uh, my uh, counterpart on TST, Matt Farah, just picked his up on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the hell have you guys been, been been doing on that? Well, that's true. I mean, the RS is finally coming to the uh, the states after uh, you know a long wait for people that ordered it. I guess at the end of uh, what was it last year in October. So. We're starting to see them uh, trickle through, and uh, you know, uh, customers that have ordered them are posting uh, about their cars on social media, and the ones that don't have them are posting as well. But uh, well, there was a bit of a problem there that you had some people like Matt yeah. had the very, I think he had the very first allocation in the mm-hmm. U.S. with Galpin, mm-hmm. and then they got mixed up, and like several, you know, he got his several weeks after other people started getting them, so. Uh, I guess a few people were pretty pissed off about it. But, yeah, uh, it seems that way. I mean, it's kind of a good thing for Ford in a way because, you know, people want that car. But then again, it was, um, I think, the delay and lack of information upset a lot of people. But nevertheless, the cars are here now, and uh, it seems, uh, you know, that people are quite pleased with them. But we definitely have been um, uh, doing a lot with that car for, uh, well, uh, probably, I guess, close to a year, year and a half now. We... we um, at our facility in in uh, England, Essex, uh, which is just outside of London, uh, we're just a short drive to f- uh, from Ford of uh, England and their development center, and uh, uh, so we've had a car there developing upgrades uh, for Ford and Ford Performance, and of course ourselves, and um, um, and we have uh, quite a quite a range of products uh, coming, and some that have been released, and some that I cannot talk about quite yet, but that will be out soon, and. Uh, so I think you know consumers are going to see um, the the car is fabulous right out of the box, um, but just like with anything, uh, enthusiasts always want to modify it and uh, personalize it and uh, sharpen it up a bit. So we can never leave good enough no, alone. No, you, you know, that's why you buy the car. There was right? nothing wrong with my Fiesta ST, mm-hmm. and then. Ford Racing came along and went, so Gus uh, and Mountain would like to do some stupid things with you. And I said, okay, I like stupid things. Yep. And uh, it, is, it is silly now, and it's great, and I've enjoyed it a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, on the RS, um, 
I'm surprised you didn't say you guys were working on Germany because that, my understanding was uh, a lot of that car was was done um, mostly in the German facility. Is that correct? Well, or? yeah, I know the original car was, but I mean the upgrades were done in England. So the the, the product line that we've developed with um, uh, with Ford and Ford Performance, uh, you know, we've been you know Ford's uh, performance technical partner for quite some time and. Uh, and that's where we're located. So, um, but we do have contact with uh, Ford of Europe and, and the guys over there at uh, Team RS or now Ford Performance. So, um, uh, you know, the, one of the early cars we had was really a, what you call a mule, and I think it was built out of an ST. And um, I don't want to say it was crude, but it was hand built. And, and you know, we started back early last year with that car, um, developing. Uh, engine upgrades and 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 uh, the tune, if you will, or calibration, as we call it, and uh, you know we've come up with uh, something that we think people will uh, really enjoy. So. so when you start doing that on a pre-production car like that, mm-hmm. is that more or less representative from a drivetrain standpoint of what it's going to be? But the chassis wasn't quite complete. Is that more? Is that kind of what it was? Or? No, not necessarily. I mean, you know, original cars were built that had a two liter, a built up two liter to represent the type of power that the 2.3 would put out. Right. And um, so we did that for Ford and, you know, we, we built a two liter that was putting out about 350 because they want a proof of concept and and, uh, Which was not news that got that motor could do two, through 350 for you because you've got one doing like almost 400, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, yeah, would definitely do that power, not in an OE world, and you know, right. for testing and right. and you know, hey, you know, I want to drive this car. What does it feel like with that kind of power? Sure, you know, engineers want to take it around the track. Definitely wouldn't do it, I, you know, to Ford standards, and uh, and that's why you see the the two three in the RS, and then the two three again that's in the RS is. Um, I, I would say it's you know it's more robust than the Mustang 2.3. It's different oh, cylinder it head. Okay. Oh yeah, bigger turbo. It's got a the cylinder head is is physically the same, but it's made out of a better material. So it's so, just a higher grade of aluminum. Higher grade of aluminum, yes. And the block is slightly different. Um, I I am be- not sure on the rods or pistons if they're different, but uh, you know. So there there are some upgrades uh, to the to the RS uh, base engine. But, uh, we Which should, I guess would make sense too, mm-hmm. because it is a newer iteration of the same engine uh, for all for all for most purposes, I mm-hmm. should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's transverse versus the longitudinal layout in the Mustang. So I'm sure some some differences are just flat out necessary because of of uh, location. That's true. The the RS block has a slight relief in the side of it to clear the. Um, what you might call the the front differential or the power takeoff that the you know the the bevel gear that sends the the uh, drive back to the to the rear end so uh it's slightly different but um so yeah no we've had the RS for quite some time and uh you know I think um during that time, and we've gone through many um, iterations of upgrades and, and designs and concepts, and we have a you know right now a really nice uh, selection of par- products that are starting to come out. So you know intake, intercooler, um, exhausts will come out probably sometime um, in August, and then. Okay. Um, um, you guys so, have to be about the first to market on most of this stuff. Yeah, I think so, but that makes sense because. You know, we work with Ford, and yeah. we've had the car for quite a while. But um, you know, the, with the American companies, you know, they're just now getting their cars, and so, um, so we think you know what we have coming, and and uh, along with our partners at Ford Performance, um, you know, it's a nice selection of upgrades that consumers uh, can choose between a warranty type 
um, or a, a, an upgrade that doesn't vi- avoid your factory warranty, and uh, and then we'll have something for consumers that want to go beyond that too. The the the, war- the one that keeps the warranty in fact is mm-hmm. gen- that's your MP line, correct? Um, yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to be branded at this point, and and it may be branded. Um, Slightly different depending on region. So Ford of Europe may call it something else. Okay. Ford of US, Ford Performance USA may have a different brand. But, but, but yeah, basically. But that. historically speaking, with yeah, the US it was the MP line. line. Yeah. MP's been been emissions mm-hmm. legal, yeah. warranty intact, and mm-hmm. then MR has been off road use. Yeah, MP's Mountain Performance, MR Mountain Racing. Okay. So that's what the real difference is, and then you know, signifying racing that it's. Um, you know, it goes beyond the production of the warranty, really. So, um, but we've added a lot of features with the the, um, the calibration or tune. That the consumer can go along and select different things using uh, the drive modes, which would be normal, sport, track. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's. Um, I had the opportunity to drive one of our cars in England last week. Uh, I took it into London for a meeting, and then. Uh, uh, was actually quite impressed with the upgrade. So, um, was that the first time you get to, fin- to drive a uh, finished product? Or? I've, I, yeah, my driving it. Yes, I'd, I'd been driven in one a couple yeah. months ago, but um, uh, this was the first time I've driven that the, the car with the upgraded power. So, um, I think we're going to talk about the power numbers in the probably in the next few weeks that we'll release to the to the public, but. Uh, you know, you can bet. I mean, with a warranty type upgrade, you're you're looking at at least 25 additional horsepower. Um, and in just for reference, what is the, where the stock? Numbers? Well, it, stock is 350 on the horsepower, so you'll right. be up around three, probably somewhere between 370 and 380. It's not completely signed off yet, but right. it's quite impressive. I mean, that's a lot of horsepower in a car like that, and, and a 2.3. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's 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 very quick, and the torque is is. Um, Substantial, so it feels feels good. But um, I'm imagining that you probably get a little more of a torque bump than anything with uh, with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we've enhanced the torque, and uh, you know the EcoBoost in general, the, the turbo sizing lends itself well to um, uh, you know a lot of torque, really, compared to I guess traditional performance cars like the STI or the or the Evos and that. The, you know, they're just uh, the engine dynamic. The way it's designed, it just it just has a really strong torque band, and so um, you know the car is very drivable uh, in all types of conditions, and y- you can uh, enjoy it in the city or on the track. And what's really interesting are the different drive modes. I mean, I was really surprised at driving it into London on one of their, um, I believe it's the A12. I can't remember the exact road number, but I put it in track mode, and I, I got to say it was very very uh, stiff. Very yeah. stiff. Well, let's get that magnetic ride setup yeah, on there now. Yeah. Is there anything you guys are going to be able to do with that, or is that just so complicated? You're kind of going to be like, eh, that, that is what it is. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, um, it, it, I think it would be quite difficult, and I don't know that Ford would give us access to the to the module that's that controls that. Yeah, I think that. that's mostly a Bosch <clears throat> thing or anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought it might have been um, – maybe it is Bosch. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, – it's it's controlled by I believe the body module and I think you know that's uh, you'd take a whole another level of engineering. To I literally don't that. know a single manufacturer that allows you to actually to tune yeah. the body module. Yeah, yeah. Everybody basically is like, nope, you can't. You can well, there's the you know ECU, there's, but not that. Yeah, there's there's stability in there. There's you know who knows Usually your safety is, systems, yeah, the, and the, the the airbags. Yeah. I mean, you just you know you want to be very careful. Too much with liability. That. 
Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what's going to, what will happen with that. And, you know, really the, I mean, just, just yesterday I saw an Instagram, someone had, had already, uh, bagged an RS, you know, put airbags on it. Oh, really? So, I mean, they're doing something to it. And I, I just... Are, so are SEMA cars already coming together then? <laughs> well, I, I just think that, you know, what's going to happen when you take off, you know, off that, uh, off the suspension with the, with the mag, I mean, is it just going to throw, you know, a range of dash lights? I would imagine it would because it's all integrated with yeah, the different drive modes. And I mean, you're probably going to have to do some sort of you know, emulation or something, maybe with some resistors or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's... But even that is variable, so it's probably going to yeah. be fairly complex. Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually, if you're going really crazy, you're going to go coilovers on that car anyway. You're probably not, you're not going to go airbags. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this car, this, this person was just doing it for style. I mean, absolutely. But yeah. um, or some shop that does that, and they're just like as a demo unit, yeah. kind of uh, one of those things. So, in terms of the RS, so. I've been very curious, and you may or may not know this just because, mm-hmm. obviously, you do not represent Ford, but you are a partner with them. Mm-hmm. How different is the chassis on the back half of it from a standard Focus? Well, I, the body looks identical underneath, but I think the subframe is slightly different because of the exhaust system routing and the you know the the, the mounts for the to the rear differential. Right. So it's it is a different subframe in the rear. But uh, to be honest, I mean, just glancing at the, say, the springs and the shocks, they look almost the same as an ST. So you think it was there was always an intention there to do an all-wheel drive version. This was just the first chance that it kind of shipped. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Just because I look at those cars and I didn't, to me, it never looked like that was really an intention. It looked like it was something that was kind of thought in afterwards. But um, mm-hmm. you know, if they haven't changed considerably, then you know, there's a very good chance I'm wrong on that. So. Well, I mean, if you look at also the rear differential unit, it's made by a company called GKN, and it's their brand. Their, their internal are, brand name is called it's yeah. called the Twinster. And okay. there's other cars like the Range Rover Evoque uses that well a similar uh, technology, if you will. So, right. which is also originally based off a of Ford yeah, platform. Yeah, so I think it's the same platform. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would imagine when that platform. I mean, I'm only speculating, but when it was engineered some years ago, that you know there was a range of vehicles whether it be the ford escape or the evoke or things like that you know and this is you know you can do this you can do that so lego pieces yeah, yeah. for sure it's just platform Expensive engineering lego pieces but mm-hmm. lego pieces mm-hmm. um so with the rs um you know i had a friend uh, that uh, we were talking saying that you know you're going to be on the show mm-hmm. and he was asking in terms of getting the stuff on your car mm-hmm. um you know, you've got the you've got some of the MP stuff where you get it and it's fully warranted and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the situation with getting that uh, installed at a dealer? What's the, what's the relationship like at this point? Well, uh, with the um, the agreement we have now with Ford is it either has to be installed at a Ford dealer, Lincoln dealer, uh, by Mountain, Shelby can do it now, um, or any ASC certified mechanic. Okay, so. Um, we real we realized a lot of the Ford dealers just um, it just wasn't their core business. They didn't want to do performance upgrades. Right. You know, they wanted they want to sell cars. They want to sell F one fifties. They want to service cars. But when it comes to performance, they don't have the right people in place to do it. It's just not part of their their business strategy, and that's completely fine. I mean, that's so we came back to Ford, and, and Ford agreed as well. Ford Performance, and they said, well. Um, you know, all of these products are relatively easy to install, uh, you know, because we've already signed it. You know, it's they're, 
it's like replacing an OE part for another OE part because well, the quality so high. We're talking yeah. intakes, intakes, intercoolers, and, things like that, and yeah. so so we opened it up to any ASC certified mechanic, and so. I, I don't know how many there are, but there's got to be An thousands and An thousands of them. So, yeah. So what what you do is you just take it, uh, again, to a range of um, whether it's the Ford dealer uh, or an AC uh, mechanic and, and have the kit installed. And then you simply call up Ford Performance. There's an 800 number, and you register the installation. You give them your VIN number, your mileage. ASE certification Yeah, the ASE, and it's, yeah. it's that simple. And it seems to be working quite well. So we when we did that um, – that was actually towards the end of last year. We did see, you know, a nice bump in kit sales because it removed a layer of frustration for people, you know. And st- yeah, and I'm imagining it probably, you know, dealership, uh, you know, dealership labor costs can be expensive too, and I'm sure that's a bit of a deterrent for for some folks. And if they've got their brother-in-law or something that owns a shop, it's an ASE, you know. Yeah. Going down there and do that and have him do it for sixty bucks an hour versus you know one hundred and eighty at the dealership or something. Yeah. Well, we we. Um we heard feedback that some of the dealers were charging, you know, huge amounts. They just didn't want to do it, which yeah. is fine. Which so, is unfortunate because that kind uh, of that that really kind of drags your name through the mud unnecessarily. Yeah, but you know it, that that whole this whole model of dealerships doing authorized performance upgrades is relatively new in the USA. I mean, it's been done in Europe for years, you right. know, in in the UK, but. Uh, and I'm talking even, you know, not just Ford. I mean, you know, it's 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 just relatively new. The and guys installing dining stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And there's been, you know, other European. Yeah, there was an Audi company that did it. But um, so in general, I think it's you know it's starting to work uh, quite well. And and consumers, you know, and, and enthusiasts, they want uh, they want that. They want uh, a lot of them want the warranty protection still in place. But then there's the guys that don't care. You know, they bought it. They're an enthusiast. They bought it to modify and. You know, they want 500 horsepower or more. Like and me. Yeah, I exactly. do stupid things. <laughs> they don't necessarily make good financial sense, but they're fun. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, you buy a car, you modify it. That's your passion. It's why is that different than buying uh, a quad and going to the desert? It, it, it isn't. I mean, you know, and I'd be much more, I'm much more apt to do it on a Fiesta or something like that versus I'm not going to go do that on a brand new, you know, on a brand new M5 or something like that, where it's, you know, you're a hundred grand in, yeah. but I could, I could, I could swing it on the, on the Fiesta. It's a little, uh, it's a little more reasonable for me. A little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the cost of a modification and, and, you know, if something goes wrong, it's a little bit different, isn't it? But, uh, so yeah, I know the RS is good. I mean, you know, it's, we launched the parts here in the States before the car was even sold and people were buying you know parts which we knew they would before they even had a car but uh it'll be interesting to see you know where the where the market goes with this because um you know there's i don't know that anybody really knows the true limit of um well say like the rear differential or that's you know. my big question is to me that that seems as the standout thing yeah. it's like that's probably going to break first yeah well it might I, you just yeah. don't know I, or it may just disengage to protect itself which is really what it does right now okay um so it's in, I, I don't know the the strategy that that does it, but we've heard people that are have done um, a series of say three consecutive um, uh, launches with the car, uh, then it decides to disengage. And, oh, so it's and, actually keeping track of temperature yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, going, hey, yeah. hold off there. Yeah, I think it's a modeled strategy. So it, it you know if it does the if you do certain things and it knows that, then it's going to dis because it thinks well. Then my temperature should be hot, but I don't believe it actually monitors temperature. 
I guess it's probably a product of the drift mode because it's that's something you'd want to have in place for that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine too because I mean, I would think prolonged periods in the drift mode, it would not be too happy. Yeah, we get a little warm, a little bit. So um, on that front, I mean, um, it's the RS is a very interesting car, and I'm sure I will get some hands-on time with it really, really soon. Um, are you? Do you, you guys have one in the shop already? Correct. Uh, we at the at this very moment in time, we do not. We had to return it to Ford, um, okay. but we have. Uh, you did have one. For we a do. While. Yeah, we've had one here in the states for a while, and then we have uh, uh, a car that we've bought, ordered from a dealer that we'll have, and then um, I believe we're getting one for carb testing from Ford for the upgrade. Right. So. Which we still need to so go So you'll through. get your, your virgin car, uh-huh. then you'll mm-hmm. get your car that you guys will go crazy on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Yeah, I would imagine you know, there'll be several in, in our facility just for various levels of modification. And because I'm sure it, customers you, will be flowing in soon. Yeah, well, they, they've, they've already are scheduling installations. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> that didn't take long. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, we've, we've had people coming by um, – our, our facility, even from the East Coast, on their way to the airport, dropping by and, you know, telling us they're going to ship us their cars. And, and that. so, you know, that's good. That's what we expected. I mean, we've been doing RS modifications and upgrades in in Europe for, for quite a, you know, quite a few years. The, I mean, the Mark II RS that, of course, we didn't get here in the States, um, you know, we... I guess you could say we kind of own that that market in, in and that Europe. was the five cylinder car. The five cylinder yeah. car with the Volvo five cylinder, which is a really cool motor. Yeah. It's unfortunate we never got that here. Yeah, I think it just you know it's uh, for different reasons. I mean, the, you know, fuel mileage, just you know, they couldn't produce enough engines. Oh, well, and they would have that chassis. They either. would have had to federalize that motor too. Yeah, well, I mean, but you think about it, it's a Volvo engine. It must have been a Volvo, right, that yeah, was federalized. That's true. So, but, you know, I, uh, who knows? Ford might have had I know there's one that's still kicking around the U.S. Yeah. That much yeah. I know. I know there's one Focus RS that's still, that's still around. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, on occasion, I see him here in Southern California with plates from Mexico. So they did sell the car there. Yeah. And, um, and I thought the guys at Galpin had one like that, too, with them. Uh, I but, know they did yeah, for a little while. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, you know, the you know the current the Mark III RS. I mean, we think it's um, you know it's it's a better car in many ways because of the all-wheel drive and it's you know it's quite fast. Well, it's, it's uh, you can only put th- so much through a front. Sure, axle. sure. Uh, it's what are you making on your on your Focus? It's downstairs. Uh, well, with our two liter, with the ST, with the big turbo, you know, it'll put out about three sixty to the wheels. So yeah, so that's close can, to four hundred. And you, you can know, spin the tires. Oh, it's easy. just you could spin the tires in second gear and third gear. And well, I was like, I had a um, you know, I had an SRT four years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, and you know, those motors are very very stout. They can take mm-hmm. a lot of abuse. The rest of the car is a piece of junk. Yeah, but the you know, but the motors were great. They were yeah. overbuilt. And mine made about, about the same kind of power. And it was just like anytime I go, I do a rolling burnout at like 80 miles an hour. It's just <laughs> drop it and just roll it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and as fun as that is, it's also going to be a little nerve-wracking at times. And all-wheel drive obviously is needed to make use of that power. So, Well, and that's what the car needed. But, um, you know, the, the, the power level is, you know, the 2.3 the actually has a better cylinder head for flow compared to the 2-liter EcoBoost. So it's got... Two exhaust ports as opposed to the one single, so it should be able to put out quite a bit more power with a with a turbo upgrade. And uh, if you if you look at something like that, I mean, you know, we haven't explored the limits with it yet, but certainly guys with Mustangs, uh, which is effectively the same engine, 
you know, are putting out a lot more horsepower. Oh shit! Hold on here. Let me uh, let me put this on a, on a little pause here and uh, get everybody uh, caught up. All right. All right, and we are back. We uh, I didn't think we were gonna. I didn't think he was gonna be rolling in. I didn't think he was gonna make it. But Carlos Lago has joined us. Hello. Hey. I made. I was outside banging on the wall for like I don't know five ten minutes. Oh goddamn! My knuckles really hurt now. Shit. Yeah, they're all bloody <laughs> and it's no good. Not a good scene. Band aid. Yeah. So, uh, as just introduce you to Ken from Mountain here. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the Focus RS mm. and how they are doing all kinds of crazy things as they used to do at Mountain to add more power and uh, make a stupid fun car more <laughs> stupid and fun. I don't know if so. you guys have already mentioned the, the the white one that you brought here. Have you yet? Uh, well, we were talking about the ST. That's his ST downstairs. That, those wheels on that are fantastic. Yeah, those are the uh, the 1552 uh, tarmac wheels. So. Uh, they look good. They look really cool. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the whole car is a really nice stance. Yeah. 360 impressive. wheel, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't really say. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Enough, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, uh, so we were talking about how, you know, I was worried the diff may be kind of a, um, the uh, loose, you know, the weak link in the chain as far as the RS goes. Mm. Um, and apparently there's there's some st- some things there to disengage it, but we were getting to, back to some of the differences between the two liter and the two point mm-hmm. three. You were saying mm-hmm. the cylinder head in two point three is yeah the is head a lot is more efficient. Well, it's a, it's you know it's a twin scroll head because the factory turbo is a twin scroll type, so mm-hmm. it flows a little bit more. Um, obviously, you know you've got a bigger displacement engine. The bore is the same, but the stroke's a little bit longer. So on the two liter, you have an eighty three point one millimeter stroke, and the two threes in ninety four. So Torque-y. A little bit more torque, and um, so it's uh, you know I think it's just you know an evolution of the two um, the two liter. Will the ST get it in the future? Who knows? I mean you know it's it's uh, bigger is better, right? That's <laughs> yeah. what we want is more power and more displacement. So it's I, I think though the the threshold uh, you know will be five six hundred seven hundred horsepower. Absolutely. I mean in a racing you know in a very highly tuned engine. I mean, I don't think it would be too practical for street use, but there's really no reason why, um, you know, with a modified engine that's been built, if you will, I mean, 400 plus horsepower. I mean, there's no reason why you can't do it because you're, you're already seeing that on two liter, uh, EcoBoost in the ST. And the Mustangs are doing that. Yeah. And the Mustang guys are doing that, that are drag racing. So there should be no reason. So we already have cams, rods, pistons in development, and so it's... Now, do, all, do those parts carry over from the 2-liter, or are those new mm, for the 2 Cams are similar, but uh, the, the high-pressure fuel pump is different on the 2-3, so it's got a different drive mechanism for that. Rods are different. Pistons are different because the combustion chamber is dif- different on the 2-3. Right. So, you know... Carlos, have you gotten a chance to play with the, the RS yet? I have not had a chance to play with the RS yet, and it, one is coming up soon. Yeah, ah. I'm really excited for it because that's that and like the GT350 from the Ford Camp at least have been on my list for a long time. So I'm really excited. Well, to you were out try. of the loop a little bit there. You were yeah. playing. You were playing a different, not out of the loop, but in a different game. I really. was literally playing video games. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. Now I'm back driving stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are these these parts are working on for the RS. Are these like in the pipeline? Or are these already out and available? Uh, well, some of it's uh, available. So we have intakes in stock. Uh, intercoolers we'll have in a week. Um, we already have limited slip or quaff 
we worked with Quay for ATB for the front. Um, people say, well, why does it need it? Well, it actually, it helps turn in, especially in the drift mode. So <laughs> we know that because we've tried it. And uh, um, so exhaust systems are nearly done. So, yeah, I mean, we've had a car for, uh, you know, almost a year and a half now. You uh, see a yeah. lot of RS. Oh, do, you, do you have a lot of RS owners coming to you already? Or Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, I mean, just, you know, the cars would have been here probably a week, week and a half, maybe two, something like that. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, even before the cars were here, people were buying parts from us. Wow. You know, I mean, they've had <laughs> wow. cars on order. It was like, yeah, I guess, you know, you want to be the first out and, uh, you know, have your modified car or uh, big anticipation for the RS in the States. Now, as far as the European market goes, because we do have some audience there and we mm-hmm. have some mm-hmm. Australian, New Zealand listeners mm-hmm. too. Um, what's the availability like on parts right now for them? Uh, well, a little bit better, um, but really um, only on a few things. Uh, same same situation, though. I mean, the parts were generally engineered at our facility in England, um, and so we have items produced. Some some of the parts are done in, in Europe. Some are done here in the States. So mm-hmm. um, I think the only thing that they may have in, in uh, at our facility in the U.K. is uh, uh, we have like a shot-peened gearbox that's – that's good for a lot more power for those guys. But the, th- the thing is, is nobody's making that power yet. So, but ironically, we, we've already, you know, customers have ordered the gearboxes already. Really? So, yeah. Just in anticipation? I guess if you, if it's there, you should buy it, right? You got to be safe, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a good excuse, at least. It's kind of like build it and they will come. I don't know, but <laughs> it's... Uh, well, that's actually good because a lot of cars, that's like the last thing that you end up getting is you get a lot of cars that'll make tons of power mm-hmm. and then you don't have the drivetrain stuff to keep up with it. Yeah. Like, look at every Evo thing ever made. I was actually watching a video of a Supra drag at a drag strip today and it dragged its exhaust for probably half the track. Because oh, <laughs> it like, sparks the entire like, way. You, know, you clearly spent like twenty grand on this motor. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, get some, like, you know, get a drag race suspension set up. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> just a thought. You know? It's you know, it's it's like the same guys that put you know six hundred horsepower into a Mustang or Camaro and then never touch the brakes or the suspension. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Priorities, right? Get them straight, people. <laughs> One thing I did, I did. Uh, like in the, the car in England, our, our test car there has the uh, hard shell seats, the Recaro seats that we don't get in the States um, because our, our seats have airbags in them. Yep. And I mean, as you see, I'm kind of a big guy and uh, <laughs> actually fit better in those. I mean, really? Yeah. They're, yeah. They, they have a lot more room. They remind me of my, uh, I used to have an Evo 8 MR with the, and that's what they feel like. They, you know, it's just a, a very sturdy, racier seat, but uh yeah, other than that, I mean, I think the cars are virtually identical. I mean, there's no changes other than right-hand drive, left-hand drive. Yeah, I mean, that's refreshing just because we get so much stuff from that comes over from Europe, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, yours weighs 300 pounds more, mm-hmm. and it doesn't do this, and it doesn't do that. Yeah. And you don't get the nice seats. You don't get the, like, on Audis, you don't get the laser headlights and stuff. Yeah. And, the la- oh, man, I wish we got the laser headlights. Those things are so damn cool. They're, cool. they're rad. <laughs> Add lasers to anything. It's going to be better. You should just be able to sign a waiver when you want to order your bucket seats. Be like, I understand. They don't have side airbags. They're buckets. I get that. Yeah. That'd be nice. But I don't even know if you could change those out, though, because I would imagine because of the airbags and you disconnect the seat and put the racing seat in. I mean, there's something. The body module that we were talking about earlier yeah. is not going to like that, right? Well, <laughs> and, 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 you know, not that I would advocate this sort of thing, yeah. but I did just put seats in another vehicle that I own. And all it took to trick that was a resistor. Mm. Not that I would ever advocate such a thing. So, um, 
you know, so things, creative solutions can be found. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we also worked with uh, OZ to come up with a wheel that's uh, actually lighter than the the forged wheel option. Really? You can, yeah, and it's a half inch wider, too. So it's the it's a Legere. It's our size. It's 19 by 8.5 as opposed to 19.8. So correct offset so it doesn't, you know, it's not outside of the body line, and uh, it still clears all the, the. What kind of tire can you get on that? Well, we're just running a stock size tire. I mean, that's half inch is still fine. It's still within the range of the factory. Uh, what? Are, the but what is the width on that? I'm not sure. I don't know. It's a good question. Isn't it 245? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's 245, isn't it? Uh, sounds about. I, right. I think 245. I don't know. But uh, it's hot outside. I can't remember that stuff. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. There's a yeah. lot of numbers out there, and you can look it up. But so. Um, I went down to the new facility when you guys had your uh, little open house party there, mm-hmm. and uh, it's right off of uh, Carson Boulevard, off the four hundred five. There, okay. like, you're basically going to be across the street from Porsche when they're up and running. That's correct. Yeah, uh, not a bad place to be. Nope. Um, so, and I got to say, I'm pretty impressed with the facility. Um, there's not a lot of shops down here that you walk into where, you know, it looks, it it doesn't. It's there's a level of fit and finish in there that you usually don't see with you know a quote-unquote lower-end vehicle, like the like the lowly Ford stuff that we're dealing with. <laughs> You'll see it when you walk into like a BMW tuner or, an, or mm-hmm. a Porsche tuner, but you don't usually see it in this level. Um, so i got to give you some credit on that. Um, and you have some interesting things in there going in there. Uh, didn't you say you had a, a, a dyno room going in? We do. It's actually uh, it's just now done. So that's... Um uh, an engine dyno room yeah. to test uh, uh, to test and develop um, engines. So we have actually have a two liter EcoBoost on there right now. Um, so we'll start with that. And uh, so the plan is is actually uh, Mountain or our racing division. We have a lot of business here in the USA with Global Rallycross and um, and uh, some other forms of racing. So uh, I would say with Global Rallycross, there's the lights class, and there's probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 cars running in the States now that the Fiestas, and they all run a 2.4 liter uh, Duratech for Duratech. Oh, that's the older design, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's been out for a while, but uh, they put out about 300 horsepower, and so um, we're going to start rebuilding those here instead of shipping them back to England for rebuilding, which makes sense because there's quite a few of them here. So... Um, Naturally, when we rebuild them, it's a racing engine. You have to test it just to verify power. So that's one of the reasons for the dyno. But then on the other side of the coin, we need to develop more products for the U.S. market. So I think the, you know, the consumers here always want to, I would say, a little bit more than what we see in Europe. So, again, camshafts, you know, American turbos. Americans wanting excess motors. Yeah, that imagine that, you know. So. Where are you manufacturing it? Uh, well, it, it depends. Um, so... We have uh, partners here in the States that we use to manufacture products, and then we also have uh, partners in, in Europe and the U.K. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, we design and engineer the product. We, we do very little um, product manufacturing in-house. It just doesn't make sense. It's just like you know, Ford Motor Company doesn't make their own pistons or Ford Motor Company doesn't make their own connecting rods. They have partners that make them for them. So same, same type of scenario. So we design the part, spec it out. Um, is it what we want to do? Does it does it you know make the power we want? Uh, does it last uh, you know for the duty cycle that we needed to? So and that's what we have the dyno for to test that type of stuff. So it's a thousand horsepower um, uh, rating um, in a complete uh, sound enclosed cell, and uh, so 
yeah, if you want to pull the engine out of your car, we'll test it. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, a, an engine dyno gives you really more accurate data than a chassis dyno because you don't have drivetrain losses. It's, right. You know, and it you takes do, a big variable out of it. Right yeah, there. and you can do accurate A-B testing, which is what we what we want to do. And um, so, yeah, it was, I think, you know, mandatory. And uh, so, yeah, we're excited that that's uh, available now, and uh, we plan to put it to really good use. All right. Carlos, how much time have you spent with the EcoBoost Mustang? I drove one of the first ones that they released to journalists <laughs> right, right during the launch. We actually, like, scammed a car. Back when I was still at Motor Trend, uh, we scammed a car out of the launch because we were doing our car of the year testing at the same time. Right. So they ran into the office. I drove it up to Mojave and got the testing on there. It was an automatic. I think it was red. I actually still remember it pretty well because we did, like, a bunch of video and stuff on it. But it's been a fair amount of time with it. Yeah. Would you – I mean – you had the you know you had the uh, the Nissan with the V8 in it. Yep. And you had now a Nissan once again with yep. four cylinder. Right? Does not have a V8 in it. No. S13, <laughs> uh, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you coupe. get the S13. So clearly you like doing stupid slide, uh, stupid slidey things like yeah. the rest of us. Um, what was your take on on the EcoBoost versus like a GT for doing that? I mean, the GT is the one that uh, Easier. is, is yeah. the preferable choice right yeah. uh the way they've the way they at least when the cars came out now it may have changed uh but the way the cars were when they came out like the original if you look at the way they uh, did the option packages for them like the performance package from the manufacturer would give you the parts from like the gt car where the gt cars would get a more aggressive track package so even even from the way it was set up from the factory the way yeah. they had all these parts set up and it was clear that the GT was the intended car performance car. Yeah, you know, heavily um, favored. Yeah, but that doesn't make that that EcoBoost uh, Mustang bad. It just you know you have to you have to set your expectations for what the car is intended to do, right? So yeah. I looked at that car as a really nice daily driver, like a really nice cruiser with nice tech in it, comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the power band was certainly oriented towards that, right? It's right. That, that thing's out of breath at five thousand RPM, um, and it's it was really nice in that duty cycle. If you, you know, work it hard, you can get it sideways and you can have fun with it, but that's not what the car's It's more goal. for the sane person? It's more for, like, you know, the, it's, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you think of it as, like, a replacement for the V6 Mustang, it's way better than that car ever was, uh, but, and really good at being what that car, the, the need that that car served. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really curious. I haven't played around with any, I've driven, you know, I've spent a little bit of time with the, with the EcoBoost, and unfortunately the one I had was the automatic, so it was just... Don't ever buy that car in an automatic. Just it's not a good move. Uh, buy it with a manual. But I'm wondering, like, it's what it's like with um, you know getting that thing breathing a little better. Have you played around with that, Ken? Yeah. Well, we again. I mean, we have one in our stable and several in the UK, and so we have an upgrade uh, that's we're working with Ford to see if they'll take it. But it takes it from the what 310 to 330 horsepower. Right. And so that makes it it sharpens it up a bit. Uh, it's that's, nice. I, I assume that's a warrantied version. Not at this point, but it, that's what we're submitting. Okay. So, yes. Um, so could it make more? It could make more. But then, you know, the turbo is not as big as the RS. So, you're, you know, you're going to have limitations there. Um, mm-hmm. We were just talking about the car today to really, you know, define the market. The performance upgrade market is doesn't exist. I mean, you know, we do have some parts. Cobb has some parts. Are people buying it? Eh, you know, I think the the challenge is, is when you go into a dealership, you know, and you're an enthusiast, you look at the EcoBoost Mustang and you look at the GT. Well, the GT is more money, but when you look at that 
you know, is it twenty dollars more a month or forty dollars more a month? Or right. It's not you a get lot. A lot more car for that money. It's not a lot per month if you're financing that right. car, and you're going to say, "Well, I'll probably." Just I'm go wondering with the if it's. A, I'm wondering if, if there's a bigger uptake on the four cylinders in Europe. At this point, well, I, I don't know about Europe in general, but I know in in the UK the V8 uh, has outsold the the EcoBoost when they yeah. thought the EcoBoost was going to be the prime car. Yeah, there's it, so much pent up demand for, for Mustang GT, V8 yeah. Mustang GTs. Everybody's like, that's what I'm buying. Yeah, you know, I'm just curious. It just seems like uh, it would be a very logical thing for your. I mean, granted, the Mustang's an illogical car for Europe in general, but <laughs> um, having having the EcoBoost option seems like it would be. Uh, an interesting take rate there just because so much is taxed by displacement there mm-hmm. and then fuel costs being what they are. Although, as we all know, power always just burns fuel no matter which way you do it. But at least idle would be using a little less. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought that too, that the EcoBoost, it was, it was a nice car for what it was. You know, it's, I don't know it's what I say was not to disparage it, but like, you know, yeah. you're right that mm-hmm. when you look at it, when you're looking at a financed amount, it's a lot easier to justify that yeah. jump to the GT versus spending it like a couple thousand on performance parts to, to close that gap. Where we do see a lot of people um, enjoying the EcoBoost Mustang is uh, drag racing. There's 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 a quite a large group of guys that are modifying that car right. for drag racing. And really? it just says, yeah, it's taken up this it's a life of its own. And that's one of the things we've been working on, too, is developing a, I don't want to call it a crate engine, but something that can withstand a lot more power, maybe a 1,000 horsepower for drag racing. Only. Just 1,000 so, horsepower, four cylinder. Well, why not? You know, is that the a- evil guys have been doing it <laughs> right. and, you yeah, know, yeah. for years, right? Is that for like a specific class or more of Well, a- yeah, no, there's there's EcoBoost class and, and uh, quite a few of the uh, hardcore Mustang guys in the East are running them. We, 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 uh, we work with some guys call, called BG Racing, and uh, and they, they're running – I want to say mid tits, ten second quarter miles now with the car. Wow, mm-hmm. so that's pretty fast. Wow, yeah. that's real fast. Yeah, yeah. that it doesn't matter what motors in. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's so, real fast. No, and, and it's a race car. It's you know it's. Now is that with like an anti lag system and everything too, or is that? No, I think it's got nitros and stuff like that. It's not like a rally car with anti lag. Yeah. But I don't know. We've been thinking about that too. So <laughs> nothing like making two bar boosted idle, right? right? That's what you want. We'll see, though. We'll see. I mean, I think you know the stuff like that. The specialty market is is interesting, and you know, if there's a big enough demand, I mean, it could be from a business standpoint pretty big too. You know, if you're selling, you know, fifteen well, or twenty guys are building race cars. I mean, that's a nice business. Well, so. there is that weird, um, you know, there is that weird group of guys that were running the old. Uh, what was it? The old SVO Mustangs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the uh, the four cylinder turbo Pinto motors, yeah. and that's actually strangely. It's got this weird following that's not insignificant. Yeah, and they for a four cylinder, they sound unusually good. I would have loved if there was an SVO decal package for the new EcoBoost Mustang. <laughs> that would have been like I would have done the, like the SVO package would have been the performance package and SVO decals. I'm like it was such a missed opportunity. I'm betting eBay has that covered. eBay. <laughs> <laughs> what they need is that Man. that that dual plane wing that the old SVO Mustang yeah. had. Yeah. That would have been That so would be cool. a really cool yeah. swap though. Yeah. Is your new your new crate motor mm-hmm. into one of those SVO cars? Yeah. Have you guys tra- Actually, that is a really good idea. I wonder if it's been done. I think maybe there's a shop uh, in in Southern California that might do that for it. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know the EcoBoost Mustang is it's got a a, a following. I, I know the cars are selling well, and um, I, I see I, a lot of them. I yeah, do see a lot yeah, of them. Yeah, and yeah, I definitely think it makes more sense than the V6. Um, well, that but, V6 is eh. 
you know, I, you know, I know you're a Ford partner, but I'm not a fan of that V6. No, no, but I, you know, it's interesting because um, when the car first came out, you know, talking amongst um, industry, like-minded industry people like myself that have been in the performance business for many years, there was a lot of speculation: is this going to be the next uh, Hyundai Genesis Coupe? Yeah. You know, where it yeah. was that was the the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, for the performance market, and then it just kind of, eh, you know, there really wasn't a lot to it. And great car, great car, but you know, you don't see them, you don't see them really. It's unfortunate modified. because that had the that has the Evo motor in it. And yeah, it, the four B eleven. Yeah, people don't exploit that for what they should. I, I never could figure that out. I mean, you know, even back when that car came out, you know, when a bunch of us were at Cosworth, we looked at that and thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. You know, four B eleven, more cams, more this and that. Never took off, but. Um, I don't know. I'm, I think the EcoBus must think a little bit more than that. But. You also look at what you have available now in the twenty-four to thirty grand range. There's a lot of really good cars in that price range. Yeah, that have established fan bases and parts laid out in front of you, and you know, front drive, all drive, rear drive. There's I mean, a lot be, of great selection between right just now. the Mustang and the Camaro market. That probably makes up eighty percent of the volume. Oh, I mean like WRX, like oh, yeah, yeah. Have, uh, Focus Fiesta ST, like the Miata, BRZ, FRS, or GT86 yeah. now. Like there's there's a, a wealth of options now to choose from that. It's hard to be like, hard to come into that segment because it seems like pretty well stocked. It's, it's crowded, especially yeah. here in the U.S. I mean, maybe not so much in the rest of the world, but it's here. It's great for us. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun cars. I drove here in a BRZ. I love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not to get off the Ford thing, but it just amazes me how many people modify BRZs, FRSs, whatever they're going to be called now. And I, I think it's everyone is modified in some way. I mean, lowered, wheels, exhaust. Yeah. I mean, we're right by that freeway on-ramp in Carson. And, <laughs> and it's like day after day, it's a, it's a Grand Prix for BRZs ripping through there. <laughs> and the other day, some guy went through there sideways and actually spun and oh, just kept going. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's we laugh a bit <laughs> all day long. And, and, you know, that market, I mean, gosh – how many supercharger kits are out there? Probably three or four, and there's turbo kits. I mean, it's it's. You know, I still can't believe that they have not. I can't believe that Subaru missed the opportunity on doing a turbo version of that car. I'm sure people have looked into it, like yeah. you know, for sure. But for whatever reason, they've decided not to. And and oh yeah, at, I'm sure there's mules. You look at got, well, you look at Toyota's yeah. history with some of these cars, and big fanfare car comes out, and then it just sort of doesn't change. Chisels, um, yeah. you know, but that's. If you look at their consumer cars or their mass consumer cars, right? That's kind of how they've been for a long time, but yeah. it's clearly worked for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whether that same strategy works in a you know small you know market enthusiast backed sports car, not really. But um, you know those things are still selling strong, or not well, strong, but they're still selling just fine. And the great thing is, is that once they're on their fourth owner, and uh, and they will be sometime in probably the next year or so, um, because those cars change hands awfully quickly. Um, they're going to start turning into great cars as platforms build other shit on. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I saw one last year with uh, in, built in Southern California with a five liter Coyote in it. Yeah. It looked totally stock, like stock yeah. hood, complete integrated dash. It was beautiful. That's well, and that's that's just the next version of like your S three S thirteen that you built. There's it, a the lot of it looked like you. I've seen the, you know it looks like it belongs in there. It, 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 I sent a picture of that to the guys <laughs> in England, and I said, "This is what Americans do." And it was like, <laughs> there. I think. I think their heads exploded because they just—it's like you could never do that in the in the in the UK. You get yeah. arrested, you know. It's like well, you kind of, technically you should here too, but yeah. let things slide. You know, yeah. But you, there's a lot of parallels between that car and the 240 SX. Oh yeah, know, from, yeah. from the aftermarket support to you know being a good handling car with sort of a, 
uh, you know, if the engine is the worst part about the car, it's not that bad. But, you know, so yeah. that's the, the sort of the wink link. Uh, there's a lot of parallels between the two. I'd love to drive one with with an STI motor shoved in it. That's I would really like to give that a try. I drove uh, one with 400 horsepower from you know big crazy turbo on it, and it was amazing. It was yeah. so much fun. I bet. I bet. <laughs> like it's amazing when you get that power to weight down to like seven and a half or eight. Like it gets really fun. Yeah, it's. It, and you know the amazing thing is though is that as and, and we covered those things, but luckily now all of the pony cars are starting to come back down in weight. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, what's the Camaro coming in at? Thirty-four. I think it's closer to four. Is it? Yeah, with all the options and being in. So once again, stuff, creative, yeah. creative quotes on the numbers there. Yeah, I mean, it all depends <laughs> yeah. on you know everybody's got a different way of weighing cars. You know, with some without fluids, without some components, and it's it's just yeah. And then you have <laughs> the Italian tough. way of doing it without any doors or windows <laughs> or carpet. <laughs> but you know, you know, power is becoming becoming so prevalent today that. In a way, it's like, you know, Camaro has 450 horsepower, right? Yeah. Like, that's insane. The, you yeah. know, drove the Charger, the Hellcat today. I think it's 700 horsepower. Like, mm-hmm. power, I mean, we are awash in horsepower right now from the factory. It's crazy. Well, you're absolutely right. It, you know, look at the Focus RS. 350, we'll call it 350 horsepower. But if you look, you know, the, the Sierra Cosworth when it came out in, when, 88? Yeah. 200 horsepower, 210. Mm-hmm. And, and that was mine. And that was, yeah, it was yeah. mine. You know, you have this, you know, Twin cam, four valve, turbo engine, you know, and it's making 200. I think 200-ish. the Mustang was making like, what, 180, 190 yeah. at that point with the five liter? Yeah. So, yeah, that's <laughs> that was mind blowing at that point. I mean, and we're not that far off now. I mean, the V8s are all making in the 400 range, and we're talking 350 out of a 2.3 liter. Mm-hmm. That's not that far off. It's they're cool. getting faster and more powerful every day. It's it's crazy, you know. After driving uh, a new Camaro up a you know a fast mountain road, it's it's yeah. astonishing yeah. how fast you can go. And you know, most uh, when the when the new Corvette came out, the the most recent generation, uh, having driven the Z06 and then going back to like the normal Z51, I was like, this is enough car. This is this is enough for me. Like I can scare myself. I can drive you know at a rate that is satisfying, but not feel like I'm going to jail. Like power is just <laughs> getting so crazy right now. Well, the thing I'm happy about is one, you know, weights are finally coming back down on cars, and then two, we're actually paying attention to handling on U.S. made cars now. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I remember the days of you know SN95s and F bodies where it was uh, you had all the mo- you had all the motor you could want, but uh, wanting in every other yeah. regard. A, a stock Mustang GT with the factory track package is more car than most people need ever could ever use yeah i yeah i think one thing too that's helped out is you know the 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 dynamics the the control systems in the car they you know they can make an average driver feel pretty good about it absolutely back to that rs with drift mode yeah drift mode and all the various modes so it does help yeah it took a a gt with the track package track package totally stock up angeles crest Mm -hmm. months ago and was simply amazed at the speed it can keep up. Now, there was some, you know, it was a little too, uh, it had this little, little. there were some issues I had with the handling, but mm-hmm. once you got past that and you were looking at the Speedo, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this this thing is way faster uh, than it should be. And the Camaro's the same way. Uh, th- uh, frankly, when I, I drove up Angel's Crest and the Camaro SS, got to Newcombs and was exhausted because it was so Just, taxing to yeah. maintain that pace up the up the road the whole time. It was surprising really surprising well we're at the point now where our muscle cars are faster than the proper sports car which were just a generation ago yeah. and you know like that's the, true the camaro when you start like throwing it around on a racetrack mm-hmm. right 
it's really controllable when you're sideways. <laughs> really controllable. Like it does the high school stuff. Did you ever think you would be saying that? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. You know, we were up at a we were up at a track recently with uh, a Camaro and AMG GT, a uh, F Type, you know, R. You know, the, your, your big buck sports cars. Right. And uh, it was a warm day. It was Streets of Willow, and all these cars would come off from the track with the fans, the auxiliary flans blowing, and they're you know coolant temps pegged and all this stuff. Camaro, you'd go out there, you'd beat the hell out of it, slide it around, it would do everything you wanted to, come in, turn off, no fans, totally fine, cool instead, you know, dead even. It was really a surprising, really surprising. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's that's the one thing it comes back to, you know, on the on the forced induction versus normally aspirated. And I know you guys, the, predominantly is, you know, forced induction mm-hmm. stuff, but right. normally aspirated motor, they'll just, I mean, you can beat on them all day long, <laughs> and they'll usually just keep going and going. But, I mean, you guys are doing a lot of uh, NA uh, race motors too, right? Yeah, we do. I mean, we do quite a, quite a few NA race motors. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just you, you come up to a certain power level, and say it's 300, we'll give it, you know, for a four-cylinder, um, which is safe, reliable, lasts half a season. And then you have, like, a global rallycross supercar engine that's closer to 700, Turbocharged yeah. with anti lag, and you know they're, they're not going to last as long. But um, which is, you know, to his point, it's it's forced induction is can be hard on the engines. Oh yeah, it's, it's what you want, yeah, but, especially the big German creates <coughs> with with turbos and superchargers <laughs> on them. You know, right, yeah, yeah r- right now we're working on a turbo upgrade uh, for the Fiesta. As a matter of fact, and um, I was going to drive the car, but the engineer wouldn't let me drive it down here <laughs> but, uh, because he's he's just buttoning up a few things. But we're looking forward to that. I mean, you know, the car's been out three years, but uh, people still want to upgrade it. You know, yeah. I only so two thirty horsepower. Well, yeah. that's maybe not enough now. Maybe you want closer to three hundred because I know I would. So you know, <laughs> and I feel like my focus. You know, right, the, you know, a Focus ST two fifty. Okay, well, we have the two seven five power upgrade. That's carb and warranty proof. Well, that's fine. But after a while, it's it's not enough. Yeah. And we went to three hundred. You know, and then that's not enough. Four hundred is actually just perfect. I've had a year and a half at four hundred horsepower. And that car never disappoints. Never disappoints. Oh my god! I it's absolutely mind-boggling. It's so amazing to me because I remember being in high school and being an idiot and being like, eh, four-cylinder cars are stupid and who wants front-wheel drive and blah blah blah." And granted, four-cylinder front-wheel drive cars at that time sucked because oh, yeah. it was the late nineties. <laughs> um, we talk about man, the Integra GSR was awesome as a former <laughs> owner. <laughs> Integra, it was actually a great car. The Integra car. was good. It was a great car. The Integra was good, but a lot of other things were not so good. I, you know, uh, I remember like the Eclipse GST. I was going to say like, the Eclipse, <laughs> the Diamond DSMs. Star, yeah, DSMs, yeah. 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 Digging through the forms, reading yeah. up how to, you know, and if you stick this roll of duct tape here and get a PVC <laughs> pipe, raise your boost pressure by a pound. You might blow the motor, but you get fifty words. You ever build the PVC intake when you? No, were in I'm, I remember just reading the forms. <laughs> even when I was young, going like that sounds like a bad idea. But you guys are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but back then, you know, putting on an exhaust and an intake made a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't. You know, because the, the, yeah, we've the, got. I mean, it's, it's they're, they're not building. No, why would they leave power on the table? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. On the on the two point three motor, is the turbocharger directly bolted to the cylinder head? Or? It is, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Ford's doing that now too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's just like the two three. Everybody is, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's get uh, faster cat light off. Get you know, yeah. quicker yep. response. It's, it's it, the future. It saves you know puts the all cost the, of a manifold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's and two but less gaskets or the one less gaskets. Manufacturers may not be so happy yeah. someday soon. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, you know, 
it's fine. I mean, you know, the, the, you can make decent power out of it. Again, if you're making 400 plus, I know guys that if you're running the correct fuel are making five and 600 with two liter with the single port exhaust manifold on the STs. So it's, I don't think it's detrimental if you know how to engineer it correctly and you're, size the turbo. You're right about the power sweet spot. I, mm-hmm. I swear that if we at the magazines did a better job of reporting power and weight, you know, power weight mm-hmm. uh, uh, ratios instead of just power or just weight, people would realize that there is a there's a sweet spot before things start getting hairy. You know, I say like, yeah, eight to ten pounds per horsepower. That's that's mm-hmm. the that's you still fun. You know, not insane. You know, you still have it, enjoy it, but things don't break. <laughs> no, well, sometimes they do. They but. do. They do, but not. But that's you know, good in yeah, a way. Right. You know, well, that and it's just in in manageability when you're driving it too, mm-hmm. because you can have. You know, uh, I would say like Jaguar, great. You know, the F-Type, great fun car, makes a lot of power, but not enough to the point where it's overpowering itself constantly. If that car was making 100 horsepower more, it'd be terrifying. It's, it's pretty terrifying as is sometimes too. Yeah. I gotta say. Yeah, but you know what I mean is is yeah. where it would just constantly be, you know, turning the tires into liquid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that car. It's it's riding that line that you were, you were talking about, where it's just like any more than that would be probably too much for it. One of uh, our guys, uh, Chris, just got back from driving the oh, is it the SVR, the uh, the new crazy one with a wing on it and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, he got back from driving it, said it was fantastic, but apparently they've totally re-engineered the rear suspension, like all new components, mm-hmm. every new everything, new geometry, and it makes sense because at that thing at the, the speeds it could get in the standard form. Uh, at, on the racetrack at pace would start showing some uh, some questionable handling tendencies, but yeah. it's pretty <laughs> astonishing how much work they went into to make this thing handle right. I can't wait to drive one when they come stateside. Yeah, it's do, any indication when that's happening? No idea. But yeah. if they just did the drive in Europe what a month ago, yeah. I'm sure they're rolling out this year or next. Yeah, it's there's just so much cool stuff out now. It's it's a golden age of cars right now. It is. It's, it, <laughs> it's absolutely. It's. It hasn't been this good in years. No, it really hasn't. And you know, I always. I think I said before, Ford hasn't been this cool since in the '60s when they won Lama. Well, they won Lama. Well, kind of. They well, won their class. So yeah. That yeah. was that was cool. But a lot of there's a lot of neat products out right now, regardless. Ford, Jaguar, Subaru doesn't really matter. I mean, pick. You know, just pick it. Yeah, I spent um, Saturday over at the Peterson mm-hmm. doing the. Peterson did a event for Le Mans that had uh, it was Michelin and Xbox was there and uh, Corey who else was there I'm trying to remember Brembo and uh, I feel like I'm like yeah just a bunch of people and they had an event uh, and the Ford engineers were there mm-hmm. they, some of the guys that had worked on the Ford GT were there okay and Jesus Christ that thing turned out to be an impressive car um, that. Uh, I mean, I had my serious doubts that they were going to be able to take a car that complicated and be able to win with it this year. It's like, eh, maybe next year, but they've been racing with it for a long time. I, I don't think yeah. I, you know they make safe they make safe, safe bets. <laughs> that's yeah. how you, that's how you do that. I, yeah, they were really hoping for that one two three finish, and I'm yeah. sure there there was a lot of work that went in beforehand to making sure that was that happened. There's yeah. a yeah. Well, if it's any indication of how the guys prepped for the Forza for the Forza racing yeah. online, they brought in a Norwegian. Yeah, let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from the accomplishments. It's, it's amazing what they were able to do for yeah. the first yeah. time back for sure. Yeah. No, I think it's cool. I mean, you know, that an American manufacturer goes through that effort to do something like that. Absolutely on the world stage. Really, I mean, you know, it's yeah. 
they didn't win overall, but it's still a great effort, and it's a class win, and certainly the publicity was is you know was there. So uh, class wins a win. It's a great looking car. I like to see him in the rest of the WEC races too. That'd be cool if they could yeah. keep going yeah. in the rest and yeah. keep just performing. The noise that thing makes though from inside the cockpit when it's going, it's just it's science fiction. Yeah, it was cool. I was it when they uh, came to Long Beach. It was fun to watch them. That was a really cool race. That the series, the class they were in at Long Beach was. Really cool because it was a very dynamic or a very wide range of engine sounds. Mm-hmm. You had the Ferraris, you had the four GTs, you had yeah. the nine elevens, you had uh, Corvettes too. So everything, every car that came by had a different sort of sonic uh, characteristic that sounded really neat. It's so cool because so many racing classes, it's just it's the same damn thing. Yeah. They're all effectively the same car. You know, like as cool as Indy is, ultimately they're all the same car. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, it's it's these you know it's like these series and. You know, all the ALMS stuff, it's just so cool because there's so much variety. Yeah. Or for that sake, you know, like BTCC is the same way, where it's just a wide swath of different well, things. Also, if, if I'm a 911 owner or if I'm a Corvette owner, I can look at that car and be like, oh, yeah, there's a part of my car. Yeah, you identify there. with yeah, it, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah, you could go buy a GT. Well, maybe, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's you yeah. could buy a Ferrari or a you Porsche. You certainly buy, you know, you, you could go to Porsche and buy yeah. a 911, you know, GT3R, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that part I, of it's really neat. I was a little surprised that Ford did the uh, the qualification system on the on the GT buys though. Hmm. Doing taking a little book from uh, Ferrari, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, 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 <laughs> so few of them are getting sold. It's kind of amazing. It's what five hundred? No. It's a, so, yeah, it's, it's a, a small really number. Small number of them are for sale. But there, it's a pretty big bump in price over the last mm-hmm. GT too. I think the last GT. What did it sell for? New like two something? I think it was less than that. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I think I it think was hundred grand. I think. Yeah, because it, yeah, it was not that much more than the Z06 at the time. Oh yeah, because that was the that was the comparison. Oh god, and maybe you, twenty grand. If you grand passed up a GT for a Z06 at the time, <laughs> you have got to feel like such an idiot now, because that car sells all day for like two fifty. Yeah. 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 Oh my god! But yeah, that's a big jump in price now because they're selling for. It's a different car. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a different car than uh, that thing is a mid-engine race car. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's. The oh, and the yeah. last GT, right? the 05 GT, was was a simple car. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was just well, we're going to take our uh, supercharged motor and throw it in uh, a nice chassis, and uh, there you go. Yeah. You know, versus now bespoke turbocharged motor with a million. You know, hundred million dollars worth of electronic yeah, research. Completely in it. different. Yeah, I feel like though the last GT, you know, wasn't raced that much. I mean, I know there were people did race it, yeah. but nothing like the, yeah. the the new GT. And you know, you're right. It's it is a race car. It is a race car. The only time we ever see GTs racing are uh, the runway races. Yeah. Where everybody just goes and throws a compound boost setup and goes, <laughs> "Hey, we're going to do 250 God. miles an hour." Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those those cars are absolutely insane. When you start getting to like, okay, we're gonna just limit you guys to a mile because you're going too fast. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, we're doing two seventy five in the miles. Yeah, that's but oh, it, ridiculous. I know, yeah. right? Or two seven two fifty. There was a story up on uh, MotoIQ.com. There, uh, good guys uh, out of SoCal who do uh, like deep dive tech stories, mm-hmm. and they had a um, they did a deep dive into the four GT, one of the land speed, not land speed, but one of those standing mile four mm-hmm. uh, GTs, and the thing was doing like over well over two hundred miles an hour in a mile. Which is just absolutely insane. Jesus. It's yeah. frightening. It really is. Looking at the tech and build, some of it was top secret, but like the stuff that mm-hmm. goes into making something work at that kind of speed within that short of a distance is nuts. You know, like a, a Bonneville land speed record, not to diminish those, is set over the course of miles. Right. Right? Yeah, not, not <laughs> you know, a flying not mile. Not a mile. <laughs> and to accomplish 80 to 90% of that in a mile is yeah, it's, it's nuts. insane. Or what really gets me is the guys with uh, the Lambos that roll up, and they just get, you know, they get the Hefner, they get the underground kit, and 
not to detract anything from the engineering that goes into them, but you couldn't pick an easier platform to turbocharge that was normally aspirated because you remove the rear bumper, you remove the back half of the exhaust, <laughs> bolt on turbos, and reprogram. It's, it's, it's amazing the speed that they get with minimal amounts of work. Uh, I mean, those cars are running similar numbers. Yeah, and better aerodynamic platform to start with too. Surely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rather with like a, uh, you know, GTRs are pretty clean too. Come to think of it, but yeah, it's it's the work that goes into making a car get north of two hundred. Well, it takes a lot of power. Yeah, when, you know, at that at that speed, I don't care what what shape the body's in. Right. You need a lot of power, <laughs> a lot of horsepower to move that car through the air. Well, I think a perfect <clears> example <throat> would be when it, when it comes down to aerodynamics is. Mm-hmm. The C6 ZR1 versus the C7 Z06, mm-hmm. both making damn near identical power. We're talking from the factory 12 horsepower difference. The ZR1 is so much faster simply mm-hmm. because it's way slipperier. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's markedly faster. I mean, I think it traps like 30 miles an hour faster in, in a half mile. And that gets back to the, you know, the car's intention, right? Like the yeah. Z06 is a car that's intended to corner at very high rates of speed, not do land speed stuff but you know you pull i remember we had a when that car first came out we'd you know do a run with the with the uh, wicker bill on it the gurney flap mm-hmm. on it and take that thing off and then you know the speeds would dramatically increase and so we we made the call when we were testing the car like why would you ever run it with the flap on because if you're doing acceleration runs you would take this off yeah. you know you know we we would try to test it the way as somebody would if they were actually going to the drag strip but yeah the, the point of that car is that thing in the full kill mode you know the level three arrow like with everything at max yeah. the thing's seeing an aerodynamic benefit around a 300 foot skid pad which is crazy that's that's maybe 50 miles an hour isn't that the highest <laughs> wait wait it has aerodynamics at that speed yeah that's wow. what they were saying around a 300 foot skid pad wow. it's absolutely nuts and that's that is crazy yeah <laughs> you got some crazy numbers on that car when you tested it too didn't it, you uh we around the, our uh, our figure eight which is two 200 foot diameter skid pads separated by 500 feet and you run it like a like an eight symbol it was the fastest uh production car i think uh for a while yeah. like it was like in the low 22s where most cars uh, are in like the 23 second range and because it's such a short lap like a couple tenths of a second makes a huge difference yeah. mm-hmm. but that range was like you know 918 territory and that comes down to a lot of you know really sticky tires and a ton of power for 120th the price yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's a you know it's a completely different <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know but it's just car, amazing yeah. that they get yeah. that close i mean yeah. the 918 there's no comparison yeah, yeah. take the 918 yeah. all day long or or the p1 yeah, but, it's, uh, it's it's astonishing, and a lot of that is uh, for the Z06 case. A lot of that was cornering grip, and then the other cars. A lot of it's power. Yeah, uh, you know, in, in um, that test specifically, the straightaway is really short. It's 500 feet, but the 918 was doing 92 miles an hour wow. within 500 feet. <laughs> like that's ridiculous. Jesus Christ, that car is <laughs> that car. Uh, out of all those, I mean, you get the LaFerrari, you get the the P1, and you get the 918, and I am an unabashed McLaren fanboy. Mm-hmm. I love their stuff just because the way they approach engineering, they're just like, well, let's go nuts. Yeah. Um, but that 918 is such a freaking monster. And the it's, the note of that motor, too. And it's gorgeous. Like, that's really yeah. what gets mm-hmm. that. To me, it was the best looking of the three. Uh, yeah. Just seeing that thing at dusk, the way the headlights come on, because they had a really interesting profile on the lights. Um, the shape of it, and especially when you get like the crazy paint jobs, like the, that sixty thousand dollar series yeah. of paint jobs, those things look just absolutely stunning at dusk. And the sound—I mean, you have, yeah, the exhaust pipes that shoot straight up. Like, and it's a cooler. flat plane. <laughs> it's a, it's a flat plane V eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, they all were. Yeah, yeah. They're all or no the uh, the 
Ferrari's twelve, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was the that's the future right there. That <laughs> shows you know it's, it, when you have the the, the nine eighteen and the P one right next to each other, you see like oh okay this if you want to make a really fast like incredibly fast handle and good handling car, it's mid engine. It's carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. It's got a flat plane V8. You know, there's yeah. <laughs> a lot of similarities. It's amazing two, how, right? and it's amazing how they share a lot of traits, but they all look so drastically different. Mm-hmm. People complain, oh, all cars start to look the same when they're certain. You know, all the supercars look the same. Those cars, nothing like yeah. no. Yeah, the three of those. <laughs> did, you spent some time in the P1, right? That was the one I drove the, the least amount of yeah. of the three. Um, it was basically three quarters of a day at the Top Gear test track. Um, and that was it. That was the entire experience with it. Uh, Out of all those that you drove, which one seemed the most unhinged? Like just, nuts? I mean, that thing was the P one was like the one that I felt like it would take the longest to understand. Yeah, right. Like it's not the one that felt the most immediately um, uh, easy to get the reins on. Like right. you know, you could, you got the sense of it, but that thing was, you know, the way that thing would get on boost, the way that thing would get deliver power was. I mean, it felt unhinged, right? Yeah. Like it was uh, incredible. Well, it has the it wins it wins the race on paper, hmm. out of all those. You know, it's as far as the specs go, mm-hmm. the P one is the winner. But I mean, it, as we all know, dealing with these things and getting to drive all this stuff, the paper doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah. Not, and I'm not so sure it wins on paper either. Yeah, it's yeah. it's there. There's I mean, having done exhaustive, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looks into them <laughs> uh, two years ago with MT like. They're all so close that when you really get down in nitty gritties, you're splitting hairs. Yeah, you know, you're trading tenths. Which what? one do you like, basically? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a style too. How many the how many P ones did they produce, or are they producing three ninety nine? That's I think. it. And then Ferrari was four ninety nine. Yeah, and then nine eighteen was nine eighteen. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, and of so, course, if you are a sultan of somewhere or another, they'll make you one. They always do, and you know a lot of the people, a lot of the owners I talk to, especially like P one and LaFerrari owners, they bought all three or two of the three. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Why not? Right? Yeah, I yeah, guess like, if you're at that point, you can afford one. You can afford whatever. This isn't like your one car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not your daily. You're not putting your, your entire wealth on this. It's like no, this is you know you're gonna. Have Although, to if you are that guy that bets every dollar you own on one of those cars, <clears throat> you're insane. Yeah. But I still would like to meet you to just get your perspective on life. You know, what Johnny always tells, you know, he, he loves telling this joke that, you know, and you get people who say like, oh, but like you could get like 42 chargers for the price of one of those things. And then yeah. he's like, well, what are you going to do with 42 chargers? <laughs> like, what, what do you do with that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> 42, <laughs> right? Exactly. It doesn't... It's such a bizarre comparison when you start digging into it. Uh, those are great cars, though. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to, you know, what a great time we're in that that stuff is even produced. Absolutely. I mean, amazing that it even exists. Well, the stuff we pick apart now as being lesser than would have been at the top of its pack sure. 10 years ago. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, I, I drove a Miata. Today. We, have a, we have one at the, in the long-term fleet. And that thing's, you know, if you, when you look at the the marketing of it, it's like, oh, it's it's less powerful and smaller. And it's like, wow, wait, that's what we're selling it on? <laughs> like having less power and being smaller? It's like, no, it's also lightweight and, yeah. you know, and better handling because of it. And that thing only has 155 horsepower which should seem embarrassing by today's standards. But when you drive it, you're like, no, this is great. The only real gripe I have with that car is, one, I wish they would offer a higher power option. Mm. Um, Well, then that's two, really. So higher power would be nice if they they had it. Just a little, if they had a slightly firmer suspension package where it didn't roll so much. Yeah, like the, the roll, I don't mind so much on the standard car. 
Like, if you buy a base Miata, mm-hmm. like, fine, you know? Yeah, you're looking but, for a cushy roadster that's fun. Yeah, where weekend. I take issue yeah. is they sell a track pack, and then they, or not a track pack, they sell a club pack, and the club pack has an optional, like, BBS wheel, Brembo ba- brake, I think built some dampers on it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that's the version that should be a bit firmer, you know? With Especially the considering the way that they autocross those cars, because now, if anybody actually wants to firm it up, they're going to be out of the, whatever the stock class is. I'm sure there'll yeah. be a package coming soon yeah. that addresses this stuff. But yeah, that was my only real issue is like limit handling. It gets a little indiscreet because uh, of the roll. It's such a good looking car. It's now, amazing though. though how light it is. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, we were just talking earlier that things are getting lighter, so better materials, I guess. Yeah. And But it, it is a good looking car. I mean, it's, I think it's evolved into something that's what it should have been, really. Yeah, and it's it's now... It's got a hard enough edge that it's no mm-hmm. longer so soft and kind of unappealing. I mean, the other cars, they've been great forever. I mean, there's never been really – there's never been a bad Miata. <laughs> it's it's true. just it's true. I wasn't a fan <laughs> of the way they looked. They were just too soft-edged. For a sporting car, they were just kind of too jelly bean. Hmm. Um, you know, and that's a very personal thing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah absolutely. But absolutely. – um, Yeah, I think, that, you know, I, I, they okay, they always kind of look kind of cutesy, right? But yeah. Looking at the cars they were emulating – like the old British roadsters. Sure. Those yep. cars always did kind of look cutesy, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, they'd have these big Well, headlights. I mean, you know, the original, the, the NA version, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, very much looked like a, a Lotus Elon. Right. I mean, it did. Yeah. You so know. Now they have, like, the modern, mm-hmm. you know, like, angry face then. And it looks good. I, th- I think it's it like the modern gone. Elon if it existed. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have, might have gone a little too far yeah. to, like, the angry side of the equation. Without enough like, to back it up, basically. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I, you know, I still think the cars, like, you know, I, I like to measure cars by how much how much of a jerk they make me drive like, right? <laughs> right. And that thing makes me drive like a raging maniac. It's nice because it doesn't have that much power, so you can, like, back into a corner on the on-ramp and then get, like, yeah. merge at the freeway at 60 and you're totally fine. You yeah. Know? Like, that's nice, but... Uh, yeah, I, I still have a lot of fun in that car, uh, regardless of uh, you know whatever power it could be, it could have. But I like cars like that because yeah. you know we were just like you're driving the Mustang up Angeles Crest and it's like oh this is too much. Yeah. But that car, you know, it's it's like driving a, well, like a classic car. You know, you're flat out at fifty or sixty <laughs> and it feels like you're going one hundred and fifty. Having a great time. And it, you're having the, you're having a great time, yeah. and that's really what it's about. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. if you're having a good time driving that car. I guess it doesn't really matter if it has 150 or 250, so long as it fills, as long as it feels a role, and yeah, and it feels good, and yeah. on Angeles Crest or Mall and or I, wherever you're at. And the Fiesta's kind of that way too. Exactly. The Fiesta's not the fastest car in the world, no, but no. it sure no. as hell feels like it. <laughs> it feels you know, amazing. I probably shouldn't say this, but I actually I think the Fiesta is still a really good contender against the RS. I mean, to me, they're really they're different cars. Yeah. And I think if you were going to go up to Mulholland, maybe not Angeles Crest because Angeles Crest is pretty fast. fast. Yeah. Yeah. But I would I'd I'd put the Fiesta any day on on Mulholland over the RS for sure. Oh, Angeles yeah. Crest, yeah. I'd give it to the to the RS. Yeah. But uh, the really tight stuff, there's very little that can keep up with oh. Fiesta up there. Yeah. Maybe like a, a GT3 does well. I get so frustrated on Mulholland because it's so tight. Yeah, like I want to wind things out, and you know, I want you know get to like 70, 80 miles. I'll, an hour I'll lend course. you the Fiesta because <laughs> I went nuts on that. It's perfect on that. Yeah, I'll lend that. you to my Fiesta because I put coilovers on it and everything. Yeah. Go take that out. Okay. That's it's perfect for that road. It's it, the perfect size car mm-hmm. for that road. There's one section of Mulholland I really love, and this will this will mean so much to your listeners who don't live in Los Angeles, yeah. right? <laughs> but it's that section just before it hits uh just before it hits the PCH. Uh and there's like these three corners that there's like right next to a bridge. It's this complex of four corners. There's you, you if you're going towards the water, it's a right turn onto a bridge, then the whole car compresses and you go up on a left hander like yeah. against mm-hmm. the wall. 
that's my that was my that was the turn that was a series of turns I would use to see who like did the right ESC calibration. You know, like <laughs> which, which car would get yeah. like, the most freaked out yeah. and like start like panic grabbing wheels and yeah. stuff because the car's doing all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, it's a really fun series of corners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree. It's right by that campground, Leo Korea, yeah. I think yeah. it is. Isn't it? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. you come down and it's the trees and yeah, it's you can. I've been told you can get some good speed there. I don't know. But, I have. You know. <laughs> I think you can get air there, maybe. <laughs> yeah. There have been a few times there where I, I may have questioned whether or not a lip was on a car after that. <laughs> yeah. It's a great <laughs> section of the road, though. It's a great section. Actually, this is semi unlearned, but I have a, a, a Lotus Elan, and oh, cool. I was up there with, with some friends who had uh, an S2000. Yeah. And I just destroyed him on that part really? of the road, and yeah. he got. And he, I was waiting for him down at the bottom, and he finally comes. He goes, "I thought for sure you drove over the side." <laughs> he goes, "I can't believe this fifty-year-old car is just annihilating this S two thousand. I said, "Yeah, but you know, you, you, when you drive those cars, you, it's you. You need to be prepared to die because they're just <laughs> you're, you're sitting in fiberglass. It's, it's a bi- that's a binary car. Yeah, it's either you live or die. There is no middle of the road in that thing. W- you're you're right. It, that's exactly what it is. The, the binary uh, car. That is hilarious. I love that. Jason and Johnny were doing a, a shoot last week on on the whole line of Mercedes Benz SLs, and they yeah. had a 300 SL Roadster there. And I it's drove, funny. I watched one burn to the ground in front of my house the other day. So, uh, not a 300s, like the 57. This was a 57 300 SL, like the okay. first, like the you know the gull wing without the, the wings. wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roadster. Yeah. And uh, I drove it, hopped in. I was like, "Where's the seatbelt?" And I had this moment of like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, this was that time yeah, yeah. <laughs> when oh. you wanted to leave the car in case of an accident, right?" No, no seatbelts yeah. in the alarm. Yeah. It's pre what 68. I, yeah. I think you don't need them. It's it's amazing. You wouldn't want it anyway. Yeah, you'd want to be out of that. <laughs> well, that's thing. the generation of car that would have came with like shot glasses and a drink tray <laughs> in, in the glove box. A and decanter. I'm not kidding. A decanter. Yeah. yeah. My, my favorite thing about that car was uh, is actually that what there's a stock that comes off the wheel. It looks like a turn signal. Uh huh. When you press it down once, it's the high beams, and you press it down harder, it's the high beams and the horn. Really? Oh, <laughs> oh right? I like that. <laughs> it was, when I figured that, I was like, this is the best thing. That is Why don't cars thing. still have this anymore? Just like, it's your FU move out of the way lever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's amazing. I like that. <laughs> I've never heard of that, but right? I do like that. Wait, maybe we could make that a you know a, no, a new product and sell it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pat- I bet you it's not even patented. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, just yeah. it. I actually mailed it to myself before I came over here. So <laughs> no, I do like that, though. But old cars are funny. Yeah. I mean, they're just so simple and and. You just feel so connected, but yeah. uh, it's, it's also frightening to drive, you know, on the 405 <laughs> when you're trying to get to Mulholland or Angeles Crest, and, and that's why you go really early in the morning when no yeah. one up because yeah. it's just it's crazy. On a weekday yeah. is the best time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one thing. that I mean, I would own an old car that I would drive quickly, but I don't think I would do it without putting a cage in it. Mm. You know, it's just I look at them and I go, I know what will happen if I roll that. So my my 240SX is by no means an old car. I mean, it's old, but it's not like old in the classic mm-hmm. sense. Right. But I use it as a, like a way to refresh myself. Like when you spend you know months driving 400, 600 horsepower or even 300 horsepower cars that handle really well by modern standards, I find it's nice to go back and drive something that handled well in like 93. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. palate cleanser. Sort of, sort of, you know, it's like a ginger after you bite of ginger after sushi, right? Like it yeah. sort of just, it resets you and be like, oh, okay, okay, this is, let's take it back to zero and like, oh, okay, okay, let's, let's, what do we appreciate here and, and what does that make uh, modern cars, how does that make them feel more special? And it's really good for that and, and that's how I claim it on my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's a write-off. It's a write-off. 
That's a great idea. So, uh, so you are officially. It, it is now known in the public that you are back in the good graces of the the Motor Trend extended family. I was always in the good graces. Well, you're in the good graces, <laughs> but you are now part of the family again. Yeah. Uh, so I rejoined MT a, a little bit ago now, but we finally went public with the stuff that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, we've had to bite our tongue in accident. And, we, and the number of times we're like, oh, yeah, Carlos is working on it. Oh, we can't say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was working hard to get it public. and But, it, you know, I, I compare it to, like, building a farm. Like, you spend a lot of time mm-hmm. building the farm and make, planting crops before you can start, like, you know, growing seeds, right, before you start growing plants. And so we've been we spent a lot of time setting everything up, putting everything together, planning, organizing, uh, you know, working on distribution, all this stuff. And now it's finally like bearing fruit. So, right. you know, the show's now, it's called Daily Fix. Or at least the show is a weird word for it because it's quite like a hub on mm-hmm. Motor Turn On Demand. And it basically just holds daily content. Right. Uh, we're putting stuff up every weekday um, about cool things that are happening in the office, cool mm-hmm. cars, cool people, and all that stuff. Uh, when I was at MT before doing Ignition and, uh, and head-to-head and testing and writing stories for the magazine, I was always coming across cool stories that I couldn't tell. Right, so yeah. because it didn't fit the production schedule of the magazine, or it didn't fit the constraints of or the or some shows. project car that the guys are working on in the garage. Yeah, or, there's, yeah, there was always something cool that I wanted to share, and so what I ended up doing was just putting stuff on YouTube on my own accord, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I actually like started enjoying that more than anything else, right? So I'd come back from a press trip, turn on the webcam, and just talk for an hour about like the cool things that happened on the. Press well, and trip. it's nice too because there's not the pressure of like you get the shooting schedule and you get the yeah. crew and you got the, you get this many hours at the track and. You can just and, walk into work and go, what's cool today? And, you know, that, yeah. that stuff, the reason why that stuff is, is that, you know, you have a big crew on a show because the show looks so great, right? Yeah. Like, it, those those shows, I swear, are, are well above, like, cable quality standards, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to how these things are put together. Fantastic. But it comes with a cost, you know, and you, you can only do so many of those shows in a month. And they have to have certain limitations because I'm the production crew you have to drag around. I always found it more refreshing just to like run around with a GoPro, and and I'm I'm really impatient. That's kind of what, mm-hmm. what it all comes to, and I just want to get stuff out there. Right. So what we've done now is we've created a section on Motor Trend on Demand that gives me that freedom, and it's really cool because I just kind of have this blank canvas, and I get to put up there whatever I find interesting, whatever stories I feel like pursuing. Alana rolls in with a cool car that day. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and we're we have a we have a lot of plans uh, where we're doing we're already doing a, fr- a live show every Friday <laughs> somebody crashes a car in front of the <laughs> office again like a Ford GT seriously like yeah. make a show out of that you yeah. know like there's a, a lot of interesting stuff is always going on there and we're finding a lot of avenues and ways we can share it um, you know there's a, there's a whole tech center in that garage there's always cool cars coming oh, in that garage dude, I, I used that, to work right, right across the street from you guys before I knew everybody yeah. and I just walked to lunch and I'd go across and be like eh, what do they got in there today I'm like well <laughs> Goldberg's out in the parking lot yelling at people and they've got all these cars in the garage oh cool I you know, a month ago I got an email from uh, Tom Taylor who's editor at Hot Rod and he's like hey we got a we got an IndyCar entrant from uh, 82 coming in you want to you want to drop by I'm like, you kidding me? He's like, yeah, they're they're bringing this car. It was a privateer uh-huh. entrant into the Indy 500, mm-hmm. bringing it to the photo studio on its way to the Centennial Celebration, and it was just there for photos. And I'm like, let's talk about this car. Yeah. <laughs> There's an Indy 500 entrant from 82 here. Let's talk about who this car is. Or who made this car and why it's there. And then I guess there's a podcast coming too, huh? There's all kinds of stuff coming. So we're doing a live show every Friday from the garage. It's literally called Fridays in the Garage. Mm-hmm. And so that's like that's just if you were hanging out in the garage with your buds on a Friday after work, 
You can have beers and Chef, stuff too. They have yes. a bar in the garage. That's, that's what the show <laughs> that is. Sounds like a and, pretty damn know, good thing. What better way to like and you know end your week than by hanging yeah. out with you know the 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 people from you know, from the shows that you like and watching, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what that's about. We're also going to plan on doing a podcast, which hasn't happened yet. We have a lot of equipment. We just need to find a, find a place to record it at the office. And uh, we're, still, we're still working on that. That's yeah. in the works. But well, worst case scenario, I'm sure if you wanted to, you could come up here and do it, too. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate so. it. Yeah. We're, the tough part is aligning schedules. Yeah. Because everybody is, like, all around the world at all times, right? Like, I talked to one guy today. He's like, I'm going to Japan for a week. So where are you going to Japan for a week? So I got this trip. I got this trip. I got this trip. I'm like, oh, okay, crap. You know, we got to find a different time to do it. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing stuff. Uh, we're trying to get as much different stuff, varied stuff on the site as possible. There's really no rules to this. If, if uh, you know, we think it's cool, it's cool, put it up. Yeah. You know, that's that's how I want to approach it. And I, like, I really believe that uh, when you can, like, empower people to, like, just pursue their passions and, you know, record it and put right. it online, that, that pays off. People enjoy watching it because that's, that's what's worked for me, right? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> well, it's kind of – and this goes back to, like, what I call the – the all parts of the Buffalo philosophy yeah. where it's just like, if you've got it around and somebody's going to find it cool to, you know, to see, yeah. and you're not really doing anything with it. Why not just throw Give it out space. there yeah. and yeah. see what comes of it? Because you never know. Sometimes like you throw the most innocuous little thing up that you didn't think was any important. Yeah. And then next thing you know, 200,000 people are watching it. Yeah. And on a, in a broader sense, this is where I see a lot of media going. Right. So like, I yeah. cut cable eight, nine years ago at this point. Yeah. I haven't had a cable box since. I have YouTube. I have, you mm-hmm. know, Amazon Prime. I've got Apple TV. I've got all I've got all the streaming services and stuff. And when I come home and unwind from work or whatever, or when I just want to watch entertainment, it's a funny video on YouTube or a serious video on YouTube. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what the content is or how it's delivered. It's just entertaining, right? It, it could be something as... Uh, serious as a science lecture at our TED Talk when those used to be good, or it could be like a compilation of like cats falling off stuff, right? Or like, <laughs> right, like it's or a camera you have running in your dino room, yeah, which I yeah. think would be cool. Well, People will watch that. Well, we've already determined that's probably going to be our best marketing tool is that right. dino room for sure. Yeah, we 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 theorize we're going to be selling wall space. You know, d- you know, Coca Cola, cigarettes, <laughs> whatever. You know, live from the dino well, room at Mountain yeah. USA. That's yeah. So. Put a couple of plasma panels out. You can swap them out every mm-hmm. couple of minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, uh, Better ad. <clears throat> buddy of mine, Peter Turak, he's got a Porsche 930. was getting it rebuilt. He, he, he has a, a site called Speed.Academy. That's the actual URL. Okay. I Academy. love their stuff. They've yeah, been and, doing great, great stuff. Peter's a great guy. I wish I wish he still lived out That here. 930 project is fucking so amazing. So there's... He did a whole YouTube series of that engine rebuild. And I don't mean mm-hmm. like, you know, a YouTube series of like, hey, we're rebuilding the engine and ta-da, the engine's done. I mean, he actually like spent hours filming the disassembly removal from the car disassembly cleaning uh-huh. parts going in like each bolt by bolt and it's probably like six to eight hours of mm-hmm. stuff and i've watched every one i of watched them. every minute yeah and i yeah. was sitting there saturday one saturday morning watching this going like why isn't somebody doing this like all the time because you know i look at you know people love to see how watches come together how guns are built sure. like, we like the best youtube channel right? i found in a long time sv seeker SV Seeker. It's this guy. I think he's in Missouri. Yeah, they're they're building a giant uh, sailboat in their yard, all out of steel. <laughs> it's a work boat. It's yeah. gonna. It's like his retirement plan. Him and his wife are gonna go and they're putting it into the Gulf, and it's like, it's like over a hundred feet long. Wow. Wow. And they're just building it, and yeah. they've got guys that come on like that are fans of the YouTube channel, yeah. and they're fabricators, and they come down and help them for That's a couple cool. days. Wow. That and it's cool. it's fascinating. They've got like. <clears throat> They've got like sixty hours of content. That's insane. And it's, but it's 
it's engrossing because it's yeah. people that actually really love what they're doing. Absolutely. And you get to see the things coming together. So I, how do they find time to edit all that and put it together? <laughs> well, that's, that's the that's, post-production. That's it takes forever. What we're doing is we're just doing minimal edits in post-production. Mm, okay. You know, that's, that's how yeah. you do the daily mm-hmm. content is you just say, look, we want to get this stuff up every day. Yeah. And we have more than enough content to do it, but we can't. Spend so don't be critical, right? Yeah, you know, we can't don't. Spend days oh, that's yeah. that's what Matt's done with the one takes. And is yeah. that there's takes, almost no editing. One takes are the best example, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I saw the success he was having with those, and I was like, man, we could apply that to a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah. so I'm I'm cautiously trying not to step on his toes because what he's done. You is, guys are doing a different thing, though. You're exactly. doing the series around what goes into yeah. producing Motor Trend every day. Yeah. And you know we're we're doing or we're trying to uh, consciously trying to avoid the stuff he's doing because he does such a great job at that stuff and that stuff looks so great yeah. uh, and you know I have the utmost respect for for that kind of stuff that we're trying to differentiate. Some people yeah, some yeah. people don't have those boundaries as I've seen <laughs> on the internet. Some people have even had the gall to call them one takes. Oh really? <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, I mean, that demonstrates how effective that method is, right? Like yeah. that's you know imitation is sincere form of flattery, right? Like that, that shows that this is something that works. This is something that people are really enjoy. I watch those all the time. I enjoy them all the time. Uh, and so it hmm. shows that you don't have to make like these incredibly overproduced, not overproduced, but these incredibly like well-produced shows uh, and to relay what you're trying to talk about when you're talking about a car. Right? Right. It can be as something as simple as uh, slapping GoPros on it and driving it around. And, and in some regards, it's a, it's a survival mechanism too. You know, it, you can't, especially if you're a small outlet, it's hard to survive day to day when you're doing these big production value things. As Jeff sits in the corner, I'm sure is nodding his head quite a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's hard to do that. And, and these kind of minimalistic um, videos, you know, not you know, not talking down to them, but, I mean, in terms of the effort that goes into actually produce something that people really like, yeah. it's it's the way to go. Look, you only, have, you only have so many hours in a day, right? I'd rather spend that like finding and showing cool stuff. Yeah, than, creating like, the content and sitting there editing. And that's, like, that's yeah. part of how the, the podcast came to be. I mean, we were sitting around, you know, four years ago going, well, we're talking about this stuff anyway. Yeah. Why don't we see what we can do with it? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like uh, when I was a, when I was a little kid, right, like I didn't grow up in a, like a big car home, right? It was, uh, you know, garage was always full of you know like golf clubs and stuff. We right? had a Nissan Stanza, so I, I was always, <laughs> right? I was always and you're for the, the outlet for like you know I loved cars. I wanted yeah. to be on every single form. I wanted to read about them all the time. And you know the stuff that we do, I would really wish I wish that stuff had been available when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could like watch YouTube, and watch car videos all day, or listen to podcasts, or um, watch this kind of stuff, I would have been in love. Like I would, you probably wouldn't have been able to pull me away from the computer. So it's probably a good thing it didn't exist, right? <laughs> well, you would have, you would have had a thing called a magazine though, if it was before, you right? Know, like I did, because yeah. there was no internet yeah. when I was growing. I had up. a stack of magazines, <laughs> oh, yeah, and we I all would, did. I would reread issues yeah. over and over and over. I had again, that. I did know? that with mountain bike magazines yeah. and video yeah. game magazines and shit like that, and just reread them over and over. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine the amount of time I would have sunk into it, but like. You know, you're young enough that we kind of got that when we were teenagers, where that content started started sliding in, just barely, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> it went from like a drizzle, now it's like a fire hose, but like a hundred fire hoses, right? I credit that. I credit that with actually building my career entirely mm-hmm. is getting access to that. So considering that we didn't get that until you know we're you know in our late teens and that that kind of access, I can only imagine the skill level at which the next generation will come into doing this content creation because. They'll have had an entire lifetime yeah. of absorbing lessons mm-hmm. about what works and what doesn't. Yeah. That I, it's probably going to be unrecognizable. They're, this is going to look quaint. The tools have never been uh, more freely available 
right? Yeah. So like I get a lot of people email me asking me like how do you how do you do this for a living? Like how do you make videos about cars? And I'm like you go buy a GoPro and go get a car and make a video. YouTube's free. Your only money is the gas on the car and, and the GoPro, right? Yep. Like, mm. look at the success regular car reviews it has had. I remember when that when that channel came out, I was like, this is it. This is the future of what we're all doing. And right? they have done <laughs> exceptionally Stop. well, and they are good friends, and I find them fucking hilarious. They're great. <laughs> so. They're absolutely great. But, you know, they are literally going to the car. Like, they start with a great concept and executed that concept so well. And that's that's all you got to do now. You don't have to worry about making Top Gear. You have to worry about making something new that's exciting it's, and interesting. It's funny. Production value does not go as far as authenticity on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, um, and on that note, uh, on our fully authentic note, the <laughs> authenticity reached. Right? Uh, Ken, yes. where the hell can they find out about your products and uh, what's going to be coming out and all your new stuff? Uh, MountainUSA.com is the best place. We also have uh, MountainUSA Instagram, which we use a lot more now than Facebook, and uh, we like that. And What about uh, for Europe? Is it just Mountain.com? Yeah, Mountain, Mountain.com. Okay. Uh, that's the best place if you're in Europe. And uh, so we're out there, and uh, you can sign up for newsletters and uh, everything else we do. So check it out. Cool. And then, Carlos, where can they find all the new stuff for you? There's a great site called Google. Yeah. You go to it, you type my name in, or Motor Trend, and you're bound to find something. So in other words, you don't know the URLs yet. <laughs> hey, you know, MotorTrend.com, MotorTrendOnDemand.com, all, and whatever social media channel you like, up. I'm there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I'm not... I, I'm not, I probably won't join. I've had enough. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> yes. All right. That and uh, that about wraps up this episode of Hooniverse. I appreciate you guys coming in. Thank you. And, uh, and you should swing by com and go read the things that Jeff slaves over. That's right, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs>